Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime. 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Good morning to you. Welcome to the program. Friday morning, the last one for the week, and it's been a busy week and a fun week as well. We're going to continue that today with a lot to get through. Thanks for joining us on 1170 SEN in Sydney and, of course, on the SEN app. You know the drill, 0457 736 736. If it's easier for you to call, do so, 1300 01 1170. So the protocol here is you call, we drop everything, put you to air. It's that simple. We just stop. Well, if I'm chatting to somebody, I'm not going to be that rude, as in a, a special guest. And I've got a couple coming up today, but you take priority. So if you'd like to pick up the phone, have your say on any of the sporting issues around us today or how you ended up yesterday, let me know. one 1170 The forecast for our Sydney listeners, a little bit cooler today, but um, still up into the high 20s. 27, in fact, for the city, 28 in the west. Partly cloudy tomorrow, and there could be some showers around on Sunday. So that's the forecast ahead of us weather-wise. What's ahead of us on the weekend? Will the BBL finals swing into action as of tonight? And then they really get going. But... The issue that is being reported in the News Limited papers this morning on the back page of the Daily Telly about the players and the franchises being worried about being mic'd up is a head-scratcher to me, a complete head-scratcher. I understand why the players and the clubs are worried and I understand why the broadcasters are worried about players being mic'd up if they're being fined, which they are, for inadvertently swearing or cracking a joke but I don't understand why on earth Cricket Australia would even think about taking this action. I don't give a rat's if it's part of their um, code of conduct. What planet are they living on? The broadcasters give them the money, a lot of it. And to take away that access to the fans, which is one of the beauties of BBL and live sport, is just dumb. And it'll come back to bite them big time. Cricket Australia, wake up. Get with the program. If somebody inadvertently, Moses Enriquez, swears under his breath, that's your problem. That's not his problem. It's not the broadcaster's problem. And you know what you should say about your problem? Oh, well, let's just move on. What they do is let's fine him $5,000 and let's put this whole thing at risk. What are they thinking? What we'll do throughout the course of the program is explain that a little bit more about how that actually works in live sport. Brooksy's with me again today. He's worked in a lot of live TV sports, so have I, obviously, and we can tell you the process of how it unfolds, and it'll make you scratch your head even more. I mean, Cricket Australia have been absolutely blessed this season because they finally got their head around how to get BBL back on track, and they should be given the credit for that. And the players are doing absolutely everything. The broadcasters are doing absolutely everything. We broadcast uh, BBL right here on SEN. 
and we love it. We, we are all about giving you access and punters want more bang for their buck. So if these guys sitting around in headquarters at Jollymont think that it's a smart idea to try and take that off the table, then boy, oh boy, do they need to turn the lights on down there and start living in the real world because they'll wake up one day and the broadcasters will say, see you later. We'll take our money with us. If you're not letting us have this kind of access, you're kidding yourselves. So that's uh, one of the issues that we can talk about today. We don't want to get too heavy today. It's Friday, but gee, we started heavy, Brooksy. The test team will be heading off to India and the Australian Open finals. So Brett Phillips will talk to us about that with the men's semis coming up. We'll get some race tips with Chris Nelson and Sydney FC back on the winner's list. Ryan Grant will be joining us. And also uh, a very special guest this morning, beaming in live via Pipeline or on the North Shore of Hawaii, Jack Robinson. Third on the world tour last year with two wins on his rookie year, essentially, because his real rookie year was postponed because of the pandemic. Is there a more typical surfer than Jack Robinson? If you haven't heard of him, you're going to get to know a little bit about him. But I reckon he's the most typical surfer surfer that you've ever seen or heard. He came into the surfing world as a 12-year-old kid. In fact, he was ranked or thought of as the best 12-year-old surfer on the planet. I don't know how you do that. Think of how many groms are out there and how on earth you try and work that out. But this guy was a surfing prodigy. And by the time he was 15, he was really, in inverted commas, making waves around the world. Just have a listen to this. So we dug out this interview that they did with him, a bit of a hype reel that they did with him back then. When he's 15 years of age, he's got a bowl cut and it's just a shock of blonde hair. He grew up and lives or lived in Margaret River. I mean, it's ticking all the typical surfer boxes. Have a listen to this. At some of the best surf spots in the world, you will find a little guy with bright blonde hair and a unique haircut. When this young gun hits the water, even some of the seasoned pros shake their heads in dismay. This 15-year-old is already regarded by many as the best young surfer on the planet. I'm Jack Robinson from Margaret River in Western Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack Robinson uh, from uh, Margaret River in Western Australia. And, um, yeah, <laughs> that's the best that he had. Um, uh, like I say, more typical. So if you just shut your eyes and now what you know um, off the back of that little snippet there, he's the little kid with the shock of blonde hair and the bowl cut. And the image of him in his little weddy with his little board running down out to just carve up some little waves. I mean, it's just as typical surfer as you're going to get. And you fast forward nine years, he's living the typical surfer's life. He's on the North Shore at the moment waiting for Pipeline to start. He had two wins last year, finished third in the World Championship. And he'll go up against Kelly Slater, who's been competing at Pipeline longer than Jack, who's 23 years of age now, longer than Jack has been alive. And now here he is absolutely living the dream. So, Brooksy, here's where I want to start this morning. Your typical sporting athlete. Good morning to you, mate. Morning, Your Matty. typical athlete. I mean, it, Jack, For the, this is radio, but I think it's pretty easy to paint that picture mm. of the kind of Jack that grew up and the Jack that is now carving it up on the world tour. So that's as, that's as typical as you're going to get. Typical tennis player. 
Now, I reckon tennis players are pretty easy to find. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking if you walk down the street and you see an athlete, do you know what kind of sport they're playing? A tennis player, quite possibly because most tennis players still wear their tennis gear when they're not playing tennis. <laughs> and generally, one one arm is much bigger than the other. Because, yes. you know, let's let's face it, a lot of the work's done on the forehand the side. The big serve yeah. and the forehand. Right. So that's that's a pretty typical. Cricketers. Cricketers are kind of easy to spot. Um, zinc. Stain on the pants. Zinc, mate. With zinc. The, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the fluffy socks. The fluffy cricket socks. Yeah. Pretty, pretty easy. Um, look, if I saw Missile in the street and I didn't know who he was, I'd, I'd be betting that he's some kind of sprinter and some kind of swimmer. Well, now it's like you saw him this morning, mate. Yeah. You could say CrossFit. CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a specimen. Bodybuilders are pretty easy to, yeah. easy to pick. Are there, are there athletes, sports people who are hard to pick? Would you know a 10-pin bowler, for instance? Oh, no, you could spot them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're always blowing on their fingers <laughs> and they've got the clown shoes with the number on the back. You also know what size shoe they are just from looking at them, Matty. All right. What makes a typical athlete? That's what we want to know. How do you how do you put into a box the stereotypical athlete? We've got Jack Robinson coming up and believe me, that's as stereotypical as you're going to get. Um, a whole lot more to him, by the way. We're not just saying that the kid's... Surf, 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 but he's living the dream. Is there something that just identifies a typical athlete? And can you come up with an athlete that is really hard to identify just by looks? Do you say, that guy's a footy player? That girl's a cricket player? I, I'm trying to think outside the square. I mean, a badminton player. How do, you, how do you pick that? A famous person that you wouldn't, if you saw them and didn't know what yeah. they did as their profession, Cam Smith, golfer. Yes. I don't think you would have picked him as a golfer, would you? No. No. Because <laughs> he's he's slender. He's sort of fit. And yeah. he's got the, the mullet. He'd be wearing the golf gear, though, more than likely. I suppose. Yeah. And, yeah. and let's face it, up until Cam made it famous again, who was really rocking the penguin shirt? Just him. So pretty easy to identify. 0457 736 736. Jack Robinson, my special guest, uh, coming up. Let's dig into the detail of what's been happening at Melbourne Park as we look towards the men's semifinals. But the women's semifinals yesterday were quite fascinating. So Elena Rybakina is in to her second Grand Slam final, her first at the Australian Open. Off the back of winning Wimbledon last year, she's gone through in straight sets against two-time Aussie Open champ, Victoria Azarenka, 10 years apart in age. And then I see the headlines this morning, the Belarusian blast journalists fuming over the question. So we've we've dug into this throughout the course of the week about the media's role here and the players' role. And I, I told you that Victoria Azarenka is a thinker in the game. She's been around a long time and she's been through a heck of a lot. Now, off the back of the Novak Djokovic dad appearing in the pro-Putin photo and all that kind of stuff that's been going on there, she faces the media after losing a semi-final and comes up with an answer that I think was very intelligent, was very well thought out, and I don't know where it sits in the blast the journalists are fuming over the question because, in my opinion, this is an intelligent response. So let's have a little listen here to question and answer and give me your opinion here is is this the us versus them that the players are sick and tired and continue to talk about or is this just an answer that needed uh, sorry a question that needed to be asked and an answer that was well thought out there's been a 
a lot of scrutiny about a lot of the Russian and Belarusian players here, and I'm sure even if you weren't looking at social, you would have seen there was an incident with Novak's um, dad last night. For someone, is it difficult for you when you go out there to put all those things out of your mind as well? And, you know, um, do, do, do you think there are other players who, who get impacted by it? Um, other players get impacted by what exactly you're asking me? Distractions out of their hands and, and the constant sort of um, news and talk about I mean, know, issues. I mean, news, like, right? news are coming from who? Well, from everyone, <laughs> social media. <laughs> we, you were here talking, talking about it right now, so you, obviously it's a topic that you want to continue to bring up and up and up again. So I don't know what... What uh, what do you want me to say? For you, I mean, you able to distance yourself from completely? Does it concern you at all? Do you think about it uh, as a fellow player? Do you think it would have how difficult that might be for Novak? Um, I don't know what it has to do with Novak at all. To be fair, so <laughs> I've spoken to actually um, a security guard today who is who is walking me to practice every day is uh, I know him for years and I just asked him what was the accident last year so he explained to me you know and uh, I, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it like talk about it I, 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 don't, I don't know what's what's the goal here that um, it's continuously brought up and uh, these incidents that in my opinion have nothing to do with players but somehow you keep dragging players into it. So what's the goal here? I think you should ask yourself that question, not me. So it's, it's pretty heavy stuff, obviously. And, and the situation that they're talking about here is, is very, very serious. So when I see the old blast journalists and fuming over question, did, did you hear somebody fuming there? What I heard was... A player who is very mature, who's been around a lot, who knows exactly where this is going to end. She knows that no matter what she says here, it's going to end with a headline, which was her point. And I back that point because if she says something around the yes, there's a headline. If she says something around the no, there's the headline. You know what she did? She actually thought it out and ended up asking the question back to the journalist saying, well, perhaps you should ask why we're talking about this. Guess what? That becomes a headline anyway. So Victoria Azarenka, to me, considered that very well. And when I heard that this morning, I read it before I saw it and heard it. But when I heard it and watched that replay this morning, the real part that jumped out at me was the very few first seconds when she's asked the question and she says nothing. She gives about three to four seconds where she thinks about what she's going to say. Now, your first reaction would be, really? Here we go again. Just lost a major semifinal. And this is what we're talking about. Are you guys kidding? I've had enough of this. All of that. Think about all of that. But what she did was took a breath, said nothing. And to me, what she didn't say first up was the most important part. And that's the situation that we're at when it comes to these big world issues that collide with big world sports. The journal, in my opinion, had the right to answer the, ask the question. Victoria Azarenka, in my opinion, answered the question 
very thoughtfully and very intelligently. 0457 736 736. Meanwhile, Arena Sab- Sabalenka is through, and boy, is she on a run. So she disposed of Magdalenette 7662. So three times she's been to the semi-final stages of a major, and now she is through to her first final with 33 wins along the way. She's now 10-0 and this season, and she has not dropped a set. So hasn't lost a set, hasn't therefore lost a match. She won the doubles back in 2021 at the Australian Open. So when it comes to head-to-head in the final on Saturday night, Sabalenka leads uh, three zip over her opponent, Elena Rybakner. Um, when it comes to the men's doubles semi-final last night or yesterday, Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler made it through. So they're into the final, um, a la the special Ks last year. We'll play a bit of audio a little bit later on because we're trying to still work out <laughs> what's their nickname and why they need one. Don't know. But I think a lot of people are a bit stumped by this one. Really easy with Kokonakis and Kyrgios and the special Ks. But when you've got Hijikata and Kubler, how do you come up with the nickname there? The men's semifinals today. So you'll hear these both live on SEN. Um, from 2.30, Karen Hutchinoff against Stefano Tsitsipas. So live from 2.30, daylight saving time. And then tonight from 7.30, Novak Djokovic against the American Tommy Paul. So that's the men's semifinals live on SEN. In A-League, Sydney FC defeated Melbourne victory 2-1 in the 60th Big Blue, and it's a good jump up the ladder for Sydney FC. And Ryan Grant will be joining us on the program this morning. 0457 736 736 is the number. What do you think about a couple of issues there? Um, the Big Bash League is in danger of losing the access to the players on the field because Cricket Australia thinks that they should fine them for making comments under their breath or swearing under their breath. We'll dig a bit deeper into that. And also, the most typical athlete, how easy are they to spot? Or how difficult are they to spot? And can you get one that is going to stump us? Let us know your thoughts this morning. This Friday morning is underway. This is Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime, 1300 01 1170 or text 0457-736-736. On our most typical athlete, Stu from Cronulla has posed a question saying that it's uh, very difficult to pick a data. I don't know. I don't know, Stu. I mean, if we we think about, you know, the atypical data, the stereotypical (laughs) darts player, I mean, he's got a pint. He or she's got a pint in hand. So probably walking down the street with a pint. (laughs) Very loud. Very, very loud. Uh, I, I don't know if it would be too hard to pick. How would you spot a sailor on the street? By the cap, perhaps. Anzac Day is not hard. Um, <laughs> let us know. The jockeys are easy. There's there's one, Brooksy, that we, we didn't think about. The jockey category. I mean, that's, that's true. That's true. But so, back to sailors. If you ask a sailor for direct, if you ask a person for directions and they say starboard and port, like turn port, <laughs> then you know, oh yeah, yeah. he loves his water. <laughs> and now we're now we're getting into the audio part of it. So now we're actually talking to get the information. Oh uh, four five seven seven three six seven three six. Another one about access to the BBL and SEN's coverage of BBL. Well, we're back on tonight. Um, obviously, the Australian Open has been. Um, forcing the full rejig, but absolutely back on tonight.
for the Sydney Thunder match. So Jimmy will be out at the showground with Dougie Bollinger to take you through all the action. Just tune into the SEN app. Basically, you'll find everything on the SEN app and across the SEN network. So we try and do our best to cover the lot. Um, the question to Azarenka says, Mark, did they ask the same to Sabalenka? Um, they are both Russian. Well, they're both Belarusian. Um, they only ask it to the losers, not the winners. We'll, we'll double-check that. We'll double-check whether or not that uh, interview with Sabalenka followed the same pattern. Um, but it was an interesting back and forth, wasn't it? And I think she certainly held her own. I don't know how much tension there was in the room over it. Um, but quite clearly, Victoria Azarenka last night just could have said, are you serious? I mean, we're here to talk about tennis, but they get it. They understand that they're a bigger picture, but they also understand when you're people like, when you're a player or a person like Victoria Sabal- uh, Victoria Azarenka, they also understand what the end game is here. What they say in that environment gets taken right out and put right out there in the world media, not just on the back page of the Herald Sun or the telly or the Sydney Morning Herald, but this goes right, the world media are sitting there. This is a global event. And that's the kind of magnitude that we are dealing with. When it comes to the nickname about Rinky and uh, Cubes, how do we come up with that? Let's have a listen to them. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, no clue. I guess, yeah, someone can come up with one. I think it's, it must be pretty hard because we haven't found one yet. We seem to have bad names for a, for a nickname. You know, we're thinking and then there's just nothing. You know, there's nothing that sounds that good. So um, hopefully someone can come up with something, but... You know, if not, then Jason and Rinky should be fine. Well, Jason and Rinky are into an Australian Open men's doubles final. Got- <laughs> it sounds like a um, like a cartoon, doesn't it? Jason and Rinky. And I think he's right there because whilst they have fascinating names, I mean, Rinky Hijikata is a rip-roaring name, a great name. And Jason Kubler with the K, I mean, it's got all the aspects there to try and come up with something, but it's difficult because... We're so lazy when it comes to nickname. It was easy with the special Ks. And then the Woodies, I mean, they delivered it on a plate. The Max, McNamee and McNamara. I mean, everyone delivered it on a plate. Now we've actually got a challenge. We've got to think about it. Can you come up with something that's a little bit better than Jason and Rinky? I think Jason and Rinky are on the run home SEN Kalgoorlie. Uh, driving you home from yeah. the mines three to six. <laughs> so, yeah, it does have a bit of a radio. Yeah, in radio, that'd too. be JC and Rinky because everything's got to have an have a E on the end of it. JC and Rinky, come on your way. Here's the news. Thank you, Vanessa. Don't forget, uh, Brett Phillips will join us uh, after 10 o'clock as we head towards the men's semi finals. And surfer Jack Robinson will be on the program as well, coming to us via the North Shore of Hawaii. But our first guest this morning from Sydney FC after a 2 1 win over Melbourne victory last night. Ryan Grant is not only on the phone, but on the team bus as well. Good morning to you, Ryan. Morning. How are we? Yeah, good, thanks. Are you are you away from teammates that are going to pester you through this or do we <laughs> do we need to be quick and, and get you on your way? Yeah, I can't make any promises. I don't think they've realised <laughs> I'm on an interview yet. But as soon as I do, I think we might be in a bit of strife, but we'll see how we go. Uh, okay, let's let's just chat as though it's not question-answer routine. But um, give me the heads up on, on what that victory last night meant to the team because it's been a good jump up the ladder as well. Yeah, obviously it was very important. Um, like you mentioned, it pushes up the ladder a little bit, but just with the confidence around the group, I think it was massive. I think we've been playing um, some okay football of late, but just not getting them over the green. So last night... 
it was nice to, to get a win and get that confidence uh, back in and around the group. And then, obviously, like you said, pushed up the table too. So, yeah, it's all, all looking uh, a lot better this morning. Steve Corica has has been talking, obviously, about the defence and the defence has been forefront and forefront and he mentioned it very quickly when he was spoken to last night. So how much of the... And this is your world, right? How much of the, how much of the focus going into this one was about solidifying that defence? Yeah, very much so. I think we've been sort of harping on it about it um, as much as we can of, of late because obviously we're leaking a lot of goals. Um, we create a lot of chances and, and seem to finish them. Um, more often than not, but it's the leaking of goals that's sort of costing us. So mm-hmm. the defence um, as a whole as a whole group and team, not just obviously the defenders, but everyone, um, yeah, really wanted to put in a shift last night and, and show what we can do as a team. And uh, I think we did that. Obviously, they did score the goal, but um, we kept them to one and they're obviously a very good team. So to do that was nice. And then obviously to score a couple of goals and, and make sure we got that three points was, was very important. But yeah, the, the defence is the forefront at the moment and, and something we're concentrating on. And I had a chat with your skipper last week. In fact, as he as he you know started to come on back, it must be good having Alex back in the squad and back in the team. Oh yeah, definitely. I think just having his experience and uh, a level head back there makes a, a huge difference. I think the boys that came in obviously did quite well um, at different times, but I think yeah, there's nothing like experience and and a leader back there. So to have Wilkes back was was huge and. Um, yeah, I don't think he's, he's looking at a place at all for a 37-year-old, so he's, he's cruising. So put into perspective then, Ryan, if you can, what this what this does for the rest of the season. And we've spoken about the fact you're now up to seventh on the ladder. You've got Central Coast Mariners next week back at home. So does it feel like a bit of a, a turning point in the season and where you're at? Yeah, that's how I'm seeing it. Yeah. Uh, in approach, I think this is a, a, pretty, a pretty big win. Um, a big rival of ours against um, victory last night. So it's a massive win. So it's a sort of a turning point for us now in the season to, to go on and show a bit of consistency and, and win some games and, and really give uh, the second half of the season a good nudge and, and see where we end up. But yeah, like I said, the confidence from last night is, is the main thing and um, the boys are all up and about now and ready to get stuck in next week. Jeez, it's quiet on the bus, mate. There's, there's hardly any, any noise. Has everybody got their headphones on or have, have you squirreled right down the back? Uh, yeah, we, I think we had our first win last night, so we had a, a few celebratory drinks. Ah. I think it was a little bit dusty, to be honest. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be copping it left, right, and centre. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I'm going to let you go. Appreciate you taking the time. Very well played. I reckon you've got through the entire interview without giving the game away. So that's a that's a plus. Well done last night as well. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Good on you, Ryan Grant. Joining us there. Uh, that was interesting, isn't it? I wondered why it was quiet. I mean, if they had a lost. Then I go, yeah, I, I get it. They're quiet. So they've won, gone out and had a couple, and now they're all just sort of very, very chilled. Um, it's not easy. It, it's not easy to sit there on the phone. Your teammates know um, that you're ready to go. What are we? Jason Sanger yesterday had a couple of his teammates in the car heading to the airport as well. They all knew what he was up to, and I, I don't know what they were doing to him, but they were trying to make it as uncomfortable as possible. I've been in that situation. We were doing an interview heading to Formula One once. And I had a whole stack of commentators with me and we were doing that interview. And you know what we did? We just, we opened it up, just put it on speakerphone and said, right, here's him, here's him, here, you go for it. Just just ask whatever you want. And it was hilarious. I wouldn't do that to Ryan without notice. <laughs> but good to get the insight. 0457 736 736 is the text line number and good to see Sydney FC 
back on track with that one. Melbourne victory, however, anchored at the bottom of the ladder. And that victory takes them from 10th, Sydney, to 7th, as I mentioned. And then next up, they are back at home. Pedro's come up with Rubik's, as in Rubik's Cube. That's not a bad one at all. In fact, you're so proud of yourself and pleased with yourself, Pedro. You've said, Rubik's, you're welcome. Yes. That might go to the top of the queue. Although, uh, the Ashman, what about the ice cubes, as in ice rinky and obviously cubes? Oh, that's good. The ice cubes is good. I, I know that this has been going on for a, a day or so in various parts, but I'm yet to see an answer. I'm yet to see... And, and and it did strike me that this is the first time that we've really had to think about it. We've had to get clever and creative around this. Um, thank God for those that went before them that <laughs> made it easier. Um, the Max, and then the Woodies, and then the Special Ks. After that, golfers are easy. Um, another one from the Ashman. Golfers are easy to pick because of the shocking cap tan line. Well, that's true. That's true. There is one here for you, Brooksy. I'm surprised. Uh, no, there's another one about an indoor climber. An indoor climber. Like, I don't think we could spot an indoor climber, says PG. Oh, I reckon you could. There would be a trail of powder. Chalk dust. Chalk, yeah. Ah. And big forearms. Well, are Small they legs? big? Are they big forearms? They're, they're, it's, I mean, an indoor climber to me, you can see every sinew of the forearm. And every cut forearm, cut, very, mm. very cut, trim, trim, and those, you know, those, um, you know, those sort of webbed feet shoes, you know, those ones, yes. like the, like the, uh, the wetsuit material, mm. that kind of stuff. So walking around in those, no socks, no socks, no socks, and the pouch at the back, <laughs> the little pouch. <laughs> Most people carry their mobile phone in it. No, there's nothing but chalk in there. So we've, boy, are we getting are we getting horribly stereotypical today? Why are we doing this? Not to be rude and nasty, but because we've got Jack Robinson on. And as we were digging around this morning before we spoke to him, uh, before we um, thought about what we're going to talk about and and everything else with Jack over there in Hawaii, we dug out this insane video of him as a 15 year old kid with a shock of blonde hair, a a, a dead set crappy bowl cut. I mean, only a 15-year-old surfing prodigy from Margaret River could get away with the kind of bowl cut that he was rocking at the time. And it's as dead set surfer typical as you're going to get. And now he's living the surfer typical dream life. Uh, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 As I mentioned, BBL on tonight, right on uh, across the SEN network. Just tune into the SEN app. And then India v Australia. So we're also getting ready for our... Australian representatives and the Aussie team to head over to India. The Border Gavaskar Trophy. Every ball of the four-tier series will be right here on SEN. Adam Collins, Jared Waitley will be there for the second test and thereafter. The first test begins on February 9. Ravi Shastri, Harsha Bogle, um, everyone's in it. And Bharat Sundaraisen. So we'll have a huge team on the ground and you'll hear ball by ball uh, coverage right here on SEN. Meanwhile, Cricket Australia, as I mentioned, uh, dithering and dathering their way through having microphones on players. It's 2023. We've got technology coming out of our ears and we've got access like never before. And we pick up the paper this morning and read that the franchises are starting to worry about Moses Enriquez, for instance, 
Why put a mic on him? Because if he gets another fine, another demerit point, he's going to start missing matches. Not through the fault of his own. What's he meant to do out there when he's mic'd up? Not talk at all? Not give any access? It's it's a tricky one for the broadcast. It's a, tr- it's a tricky logistical nightmare as to how it happens. Now, Brooksy and I have both lived it in that world. It takes a lot more than just whacking a microphone on a player. There's a protocol to go through. There's the audio person is involved as well. And you don't want to expose information. There's all sorts of privacy around it. And stump microphones sit there and have been sitting there for ages, but they go up and down for very good reason. Joe, the cameraman, remember that? Right? So they go up and down for very good reason. And you've got to do that with the players. But at what stage do you say if a player who's wearing a microphone to give access to the public via the broadcaster who are paying the money, the big money, can't, for instance, swear under his breath or crack a joke and then has to face a code of conduct and a penalty? I mean, it's just bizarre to think that that would be the outcome of that. So Cricket Australia, shake, rattle and roll all you like behind the scenes to try and be the police in this one. But sometimes let it through the gate, get on with it, open the doors and come on in folks, because the more you can invite people into your sport and people into your product and give them the insights and the background information, the more you're going to get in return next time there's a deal on the table. Back after this. Just in response to the text from Mark about whether or not the same kind of question that Victoria Azarenka um, faced last night, did Sabalenka also face that uh, the answer is no. So in the last five or ten minutes, Brooksy, you've gone and, and picked your way through that um, press conference with Sabalenka. So what did they talk about? So majority was talking about the match or the past, talking about Wimbledon final. So she, she was asked to talk through the match, being her first final, the calm celebration at the end of the match. Um, do you feel free now that you've made a final? I don't know about that one. Um, working with sports psychologists, how does the title Grand Slam champion feel? Um, did you watch much much tennis over the year, in particular the women Wimbledon la, um, final last year, where her opponent Robakina won? Um, uh, you said you were going to be boring. The power players, both of them, were looking at a power play final, talking to your coach, and yeah, that's basically the crux of it. Nothing about uh, what Azarenka was brought up, uh, brought up within the yeah. press. I like in terms of. Russia. Interesting. Belarus. Belarus. So uh, we don't know who was there and who wasn't there, but if, if, if I'm thinking that, because I mean, a, a lot of people are saying, well, where was the guy that asked that question against Azarenka? Why didn't he come and ask the question to Sabalenka? Quite often they move on and go off to work on something else. So he's probably covered that match and somebody else has covered exactly. the other match. I don't know the answer to that, but that's possibly the way that it works. But the answer to your question, Mark, is no, they didn't. Um, They didn't broach that subject and perhaps after the answer that Azarenka gave them, they didn't bother broaching that subject. Um, It's a tough one. I mean, imagine making your way through to your first major final and, I mean, getting asked about, uh, it's just hard. It's really hard. And as Brett Phillips pointed out the other day, you know, this is a, uh, these guys are there, most of these guys are there week in, week out. They're, they're, They're speaking to these same players week in, week out on the tour. We only see it on the, on the, Australian Open, you know, once every year. But this is a a week-in, week-out grind on the WTA Tour that includes those four majors, and they've got to come up with something. And that's the way they've gone with it. And also you've got to read the room a little bit as well. But I I certainly don't think 
that it was the old world's greatest slapdown. I think it was a measured and intelligent response to a question that Ajerno thought that he needed to ask. Uh, 0457 736 736 is the number. Uh, Matty, on the news, the NRL said they're sticking to their terms on the CBA. Is that every single term? If the players stick to their guns, looks like we're heading for a strike. We've seen it in other industries, which will be disastrous for the games and the fans. Uh, well, where's it at? I mean, we ask this question every day. We're not in the negotiations that are taking place, and they and they are pretty full on. I think we can safely say that, but we don't know where they're at. Are they making any progress? Don't know. Not sure. They're still pushing their cause, and it's been mostly one-way traffic. Um, as you know, when you think about it publicly, the one-way traffic has been coming from the Rugby League Players Association side. They've been the ones that have been pushing it because the NRL is uh, keeping its powder dry before they have any say. Uh, another texter said, it's hard to pick a chess player. That's true. Uh, I've tried, <laughs> says our texter. It's hard to pick a chess player. In mm. more ways than one, strategically yes. and visually. Yes. How, do, how, would, Sorry, how would you pick? I know. How would you pick a chess player? Not the most stereotypical sort of, you know, athlete that you can think of. Quick hands, maybe? Quick hands. Do you go down and have a coffee and try and move the, the, <laughs> the person that you're meeting with his coffee cup and see how quick it comes back? Or do you do the, try and do the old switcheroo? <laughs> I don't know. You posed some good questions on that one. Chess player could be the one that gets us undone, Brooksy. Maybe when they're moving the salt and pepper shakers at the table, they say check <laughs> when they give you the pepper. <laughs> you just go, what? <laughs> or they ask for the bill and say check. Right, because, I mean, when was the last time that you said check, please? Checkmate, please. (laughs) Does does that that get us out of that one? In our opinion, yes. Brett Phillips will join us in the next hour to get us across what's been happening so far, obviously, at the Melbourne uh, Park uh, Complex for the Australian Open and then dig into today's men's singles semi-final. So first up on Rod Laver Arena, a later start. So we're starting to get to that point of the of the tournament where everything's drying up around outside RLA. So the men's doubles, uh, sorry, mixed doubles final will be first up. Mertza and Bopana from India against uh, Stefani and Matos, the Brazilians. Uh, that's the mixed doubles final. So that's first up at midday. And then the first of the men's semifinals will start um, just after 2.30, assuming that everything's wrapped up by then. Karen Hutchinoff against Stefano Tsitsipas. So that's the 18th seed against the top remaining seed in the tournament. Tsitsipas is seeded three coming into this. And then from 7.30 tonight, so again, another 7.30 start instead of 7 o'clock is Djokovic and Tommy Paul. And uh, we'll check the odds for you, but uh, Novak Djokovic has got to be just unbackable against that one, depending on if that leg, which has shown no signs of any drama, holds up for another match. And then into the final on Sunday night is the most likely outcome of that one. Meanwhile, the men's doubles final will feature Australia's Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler. They had a um, 6-4, 6-2 win yesterday in the semifinals. And, of course, the special case won last year. So a whole long list of Australians, as you'd imagine, at the Australian Open who have been men's doubles champions. And can Hijikata and Kubler continue that run along the way? Um, a dollar three is head-to-head Novak Djokovic against Tommy Paul, who's paying $12.50. Whew. 
Wow. Um, all right, news is coming up and then a big second hour of the show, including our chat with Jack Robinson. This is Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime, 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. It is Friday morning as we edge towards a very big weekend in the world of sport on all fronts, cricket, um, of course, tennis. We're heading into the finals at the Australian Open, and Brett Phillips will join us soon. Uh, good morning to you, and welcome to the program for our SENQ 693am Brisbane listeners and 1620am listeners on the Gold Coast as well. 0457 736 736 is the text line. 1300 01 1170 is our open line. As I mentioned, men's semifinals now will be the focus at Melbourne Park off the back of the women's singles semi. So we know our finalists and BP will bring us up to speed with that. Jack Robinson's going to be my special guest in this hour of the program. Who's Jack? Number three on the World Surfing Tour last year, his rookie year where he won two events along the way and he's getting ready for Pipeline to start. So we're going to catch up with Jack on the North Shore of Hawaii. And this morning... Something that we've been chatting about earlier is around the typical athlete because Jack Robinson, and when you hear um, the the background story of Jack, you'll understand he's so stereotypically surfing. <laughs> he grew up as a grommet over in Margaret River. He had the little blonde shock. He was a surfing prodigy and he's made his way all the way to the very top. So Brooksy and I, Brooksy's back in the chair again today, have been trying to throw this on to you. See if you can stump us, because we reckon we can pick any of the stereotypical kind of athletes. Out of the box, we had, we've had chess players thrown at us. We reckon we can come up with a way that we're going to pick who that or what that athlete does. Some are really simple. Some are easy to pick. Some are very hard. But that's your challenge this morning. See if you can stump us. 0457 736 736. Let's get down to business. The Australian Open update, thanks to Kia. The all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar is landing soon. Good morning to you, Brett Phillips, as we head into men's single semifinals day. But the women um, kind of played out the way that you were thinking yesterday when we spoke at this time. Yes, uh Great couple of uh, finals, uh, Matty, uh, last night. I thought uh, Arena Savalenka, uh, after really being pushed in that uh, first set, she just went to went to town, really, in the second set on Magda Lanetta. Uh, she absorbed as much as she could. The unseated pole has had this magical run to the semifinals. And, you know, in the end, uh, when you've got a tidal wave coming at you, there's only so much you can absorb. And uh, that's the power of uh, uh, Savalenka, who you know, makes it through to her first uh, Grand Slam final. And... Yeah, it's been a great January for her, Adelaide to Melbourne. We've just seen it building and building and building. And, you know, she's a completely different player than when she was uh, 12 months ago when the serve was going haywire and off the ground she was missing a lot. And then, yeah, Lena right back in her. I mean, I think she's going to be a genuine uh, star of the sport going forward, Matt. I, you know, Wimbledon final, if she wins on the weekend, you know, dual Grand Slam champion. I think there's certainly more to come. She's got such a striking presence in the court. And just to watch her up close uh, last night, Boy, oh boy, there's some power. Um, the power off the ground. It's just, you know, stand and deliver from the baseline. Crunching winners. Uh, the winner's speed on her uh, forehand in particular last night was uh, something to be seen. So, yeah, we've got, yeah, two big servers, two big hitters. It's actually a great matchup uh, mm. in the final. Uh, Sabalink at 
you know, trying to achieve what Rybakina hasn't, and that's actually win a Grand Slam. So I think we're set for a yeah, pretty good battle Saturday night. Okay, so so when you take a look at Sabalenka's form coming into this and form throughout the tournament, I mean, there's there's barely been a blemish on it, and she just powers her way through. She hasn't dropped a set. Therefore, she's won 10 in a row and she's on the kind of roll that you want to get to when you get to your first big one. But this, yeah, is, she, her, this yeah. is her first big one, BP, isn't it? So how much, mm. how much do you look at that and go, well, this is going to play a big part because there's no other stage like a Grand Slam final? No, you're exactly right. And I think the, the word we used even with Ry Buckner last night was, um, and even though she's younger and hasn't played as many matches, hasn't won as many titles, hasn't been on the tour for as long, but the thing we love about Ry Buckner, she's so composed out there. Uh, nothing seems to really fluster her. She's got a very animated coach who's uh, barking away uh, from the box, uh, but she just sort of stays pretty ice cool. She doesn't over, overly celebrate that on court. It's not it's not that, um, that tension that sort of Sabalenka carries. But I think Arena's got the right balance now and just watching her, you know, mental state, um, she's much better than what she was two or three years ago. She's done a lot of work uh, in that area. So, yeah, I mean, she, you know, she can serve some doubles. I mean, even right back in her appearance last night, she went a bit wild. Uh, the moment, the occasion, until we get there tomorrow, you know, who's going to handle it best? We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, I think for Sabalenka, um, she's been on a mission. And, you know, she's been to semifinals and been close. And with all the seeds going out, this is, this is her best opportunity to win one. And I think that'll galvanise her. When you look at the four who were left um, and the big names and those that we've just discussed who've made it through, the, the one that missed out is Magda Lynette. And she, I reckon, is a fascinating story the whole way through. But she's 30 years of age. So what does she take out of her, of her run throughout this tournament? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, some belief that she can actually beat uh, top-line players. I mean, to take down all the seeds that she did just shows uh, the really small margins. And, you know, she's been a really, really solid player uh, who's carved out a, a pretty decent career inside the top 100 for uh, you know, quite a few years now, but never been able to make that breakthrough. Uh, there's no... No guarantee she'll get back there. I mean, third round had been her previous best. I mean, sometimes a player just through the draw or just the little bit of form they're in can have one slam in their career where they where they strike. If you go back and look at a lot of CVs of uh, players across their journey, uh, they might have made one quarterfinal, one semifinal in their life, um, you know, due to circumstances happening. So, you know, her ranking improves significantly uh, to see her competing at all the, the big events and, you know, possibly being seeded uh, now at uh, slams if she can maintain that. Uh, but she'll have some points to defend. Um, so, yeah, some confidence, um, certainly that, you know, she can match uh, some of the best players. How cool is the Rinky Hijikata and Jason Kubler run going through this? I mean, we, we rode the wave of Kyrgios and Kokonakis last year, and it's another wave, this one, but a little bit different, um, very different in their approach and the noise, <laughs> but they're so laid back, aren't they? Yeah, a couple of great young guys. I, I sat on Rod Laver yesterday, and it was great. This is what uh, moving the, thir- the the semis to a Thursday night has sort of opened up what they do with the schedule, and they let all the grand pass holders in. So it was not quite full for Kyrgios and Kokonakis last year, but three quarters full, great atmosphere, and two guys who, you know, just sort of had this great synergy out on court. Uh, they complement each other really well. Obviously, it's unexpected. They got a wild card. Okay, let's go out and play, see how we go. They beat the top seeds. They grow in confidence. 
Uh, and, you know, Kubler and, and, and Hidji Carter are going to be continuing on the singles path. Uh, Jason looking for top 50 this year and Ricky trying to get top 100. That'll be both their goals. So this is a little added bonus. Uh, but, you know, to whatever happens in their singles career, if they win a, a doubles grand slam, a bit like Thanasi and Nick uh, the previous year, that's on your resume uh, forever. And um, you, you'll take that any day. So, yeah, the boys are chock full of confidence. They're going to play an unseated pair. And they'll have an Aussie crowd behind them. So I think they'll get the chocolates tomorrow night. They're playing good tennis. So today starts at midday uh, local time. Mixed doubles final. Sonia Mertzer. I didn't know that um, Sonia Mertzer and Rowan Bapana were still going. Mertzer's 36 and um, Bapana's into his 40s. So that'll be the mixed doubles final. And then the men's semi. So give me your thoughts on this. these two matchups. Hutchinoff and Sitsipas first. And then later tonight, Djokovic and Tommy Paul. Yeah, well, I suppose you naturally lean to Sitsipas, the head-to-head 5-0, what he has achieved uh, during this Open, the form that he's in. Uh, but look, you know, Hutchinov, back-to-back semifinals at the majors and, you know, took down the, uh, the, uh, the scalp of Kyrgios last year in New York in the quarters. So he needs to be, um, you know, certainly given the respect and he's a, he's a big game player, you know, big serve Big forehand, as we know, but I think Steph will probably just be too dynamic as the match unfolds. Uh, you know, getting to net, um, you know, trying to uh, just cut off the angles of Hutchinov. And I, I think, you know, Steph's in a great groove here. He's played great tennis, going to have a lot of Greek support in the crowd. So I think he gets the job done, but maybe not as comfortably as uh, some of the meetings previously against Hutchinov. And then, look, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a mountain that is extremely big to climb uh, for Tommy Paul. I was actually out on John Kane Arena yesterday doing a little piece, and he was there training with uh, Brad Stein. He looked pretty relaxed. Um, but the game plan will be interesting, how they, how they try and devise something to unsettle uh, Novak. I mean, he's got to just try and mix things up. Uh, throw caution to the wind, just try some different things out on the tennis court. Don't go toe-to-toe on the baseline with him all day. And maybe, I mean, he's got to get the start. The start, the, 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 the he's got to zone in those first four games. You know, get a couple of early holds and be in the first set because that's where Novak just gets on top. One break of serve and you're, um, you're behind the eight ball. So somehow he's got to try and get in front. So I think, you know, the start's going to be extremely important for him tonight. Both of those semifinals will be live here on SEN from 2.30 uh, Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Hutchinoff and Sitsipas, and then 7.30 Djokovic and Tommy Paul. Before I let you go, I remember t- talking to James Magnuson about what he looks at in an athlete as to whether or not they're up for it, right? What kind of mood they're in. And of- often body language is the one. You know what Novak's going to be like when he strolls on the centre court this evening what would you look for from your perspective in Tommy Paul to see whether he's he's on it he's he's overawed or or anywhere in between yeah it's always fascinating because we, we get the vision of the players walking past all the, the champions of the past that long walk onto Rod Laver Arena and sometimes you can sort of get a feeling other times it's a, a little bit hard um, but you know you try and look through the eyes and just see where, you know, if the focus is is totally there I mean he's quite a um, quite a laid back sort of chilled sort of guy. Uh, you know, Brad Stein's worked really hard to, you know, get him far more disciplined and the results are showing the last two years. But I just want to see that that's that steely look of yep, I actually believe I can win this match here tonight because I think I was looking at Rublev walk out the other night. I just felt there was a sense of 
not that he was defeated before he started. Mm. Um, it was just a sense. I mean, it mightn't have been correct. Uh, but for Tommy, yeah, I mean, just and, – and don't treat it like, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I, I hate that saying, to be honest. I mean, he might not get back here again. Yes. Take the opportunity and, you know, who knows what he can – who knows what happens. Sport throws up, as we yeah. know. Uh, weird and unpredictable results. Yeah. No, it's a really good way to look at it. You know, the the nothing to lose thing versus the is this going to ever happen thing. So I've got to take it at this moment. It's a really good way to look at it. Good on you, mate. Enjoy today. It's going to be a big one and looking forward to the coverage. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Brett Phillips joining us there. So, yes, uh, from this afternoon, full coverage right here on SEN of the men's semifinals. So 2.30 uh, for our Sydney, New South Wales listeners. Fast one, obviously, for our... Uh, Queensland listeners, and then later on this evening. So um, just the one matchup, and it's Novak Djokovic against Tommy Paul from 7.30 uh, Eastern Daylight Saving Time, 6.30 for our Queensland listeners. Thanks to Kia, a pinnacle of engineering, the Kia EV6 GT is the most powerful Kia ever crafted. A big, big time stage um, for young Tommy Paul tonight. I mean, the form guide and everything else will tell you that you'd be on Sitsipas to play Djokovic in the final. And what does Tommy Paul bring to the table against Djokovic? And I'm interested to see how much does he look tired, to be honest. Uh, it's very hard to get a read. If I, I actually thought that Rublev looked as though he had a big night <laughs> the night before. I mean, he's a bit of a disheveled character at the best of times. But how on earth do you sleep if you're Tommy Paul? These guys know how to operate throughout two weeks on minimal recovery time. But if you know that this is the biggest stage that you've been in to this point against a bloke who's red hot, I mean, he's white hot, let's face it. And how do you tuck yourself into bed and go, I'm not going to toss and turn my way through the evening? If he looks fresh and he looks up for the challenge, anything can happen. If he looks tired to me, well, Novak will pounce on that. Uh, stereotypical athletes. Now, just quickly, especially for our listeners from SENQ 693 and 1620 have just joined us for the last 15 or so minutes. Um, Jack Robinson's going to be my special guest soon. Surfer on the world tour, um, ended up in the top three overall last season and scored two, ling- two wins along the way. But you go all the way, he's 23 years of age now. You go all the way back to when he was 15 and this is, this is how he was summarised in a, a great little video, almost like a bit of a hype reel slash reporting reel on this youngster about to hit the waves. At some of the best surf spots in the world, you will find a little guy with bright blonde hair and a unique haircut. When this young gun hits the water, even some of the seasoned pros shake their heads in dismay. This 15-year-old is already regarded by many as the best young surfer on the planet. from Oak River in Western Australia. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's all he had to offer. He'll have a bit more to offer when we catch up with him. But it led us down the path of, you know, athletes and sports people that you could just pick straight away. I mean, you know, that guy's a footy player. That person's a bodybuilder. We've, we've figured out the tennis players are kind of easy to pick because mostly they just continue to wear tennis gear. Um, and this challenge has become something of a battle between you, the listener, and us here in the studio, and especially Brooksy. We're trying to test his knowledge on if he can come up with the how do you pick a certain person from from their sporting profession when you've never met him, you don't know, 
and you bump into them in the street. It set the challenge. In fact, Matt, by the way, says, how can you explain a stereotypical surfer? Well, they are perpetually stoked, <laughs> and particularly when the surf's going off. Exactly. Um, there's that. Now, Whitey and Brooksy, my nomination is a current-day lawn bowler. That one from Rooster Muzz. And I reckon the thing there is, because the Chookman's also dived in on that, what about the lawn bowler? He or she has evolved from the schooner and end to a younger crowd with barefoot bowls. So the current day lawn bowler. We we worked back in 94 at the Commonwealth Games because lawn bowls was in there in Canada. And our lawn bowls expert, we just referenced him as the man with the beer in his hand. It just, that was him. Um, I mean, he worked and he was professional, but <laughs> that was him. So the current day lawn bowler, Brooksy, can you bust through and identify that if you just happen to run into one? There's not much difference between the OG lawn bowler and the current day. Uh, Button-up shirts, right. short sleevers. They drink middies, not schooners. Yeah. Their knees are slightly worse than everyone else, oh. but and they've generally got a Keno ticket in either their top pocket or back pocket. <laughs> and the pencil. They play the four number. Yeah, the pencil. The yeah, pencil. Yeah. Uh, on top of the ear. The mini pencil behind the ear, yeah. so perhaps that's give the giveaway. And the strong wrist. As well, uh, chess players was was something that we we had a little bit of a thought about, but you got the answer to that one. And Tony says chess players are easy to pick. They sit down at a restaurant, they put a clock on the table, they use the salt and pepper, hit the clock. That simple. And Easter show woodchoppers are easy to spot. Always in singlets and Dunlop volleys. Hopefully, steel cap, steel cap Dunlop volleys. We need to take a break. We're going to continue this. Try to stump Brooksy this morning. Can you see if you can undo him when it comes to a stereotypical athlete or? Anyone, really. Oh, you know, we've now gone next level on this, Brooksy. So Berkeley Eagles taken it to posing the question of giving us the uh, stereotypical person slash athlete slash anything, but then throwing it to you, what do I do? So the Berkeley Eagles says, okay, what do I do? A right arm and leg, dark brown. The left side is lighter. Too easy. Car driver. Oh, trucky. Trucky. Arm out the or window. V8 supercar driver. But why does why why then is the leg? Because sometimes the angle of the sun straight down on your leg. I always get it when I'm driving. I I've got to stop wearing shorts. Hey, you got to close Maybe the going door. Down That's to my what you got to do. Place down the south coast. <laughs> it's like whoa, I've got a bit of a tan going on here. <laughs> all right, Berkeley Eagle. He's just jumped all over the top of that one. Uh, how would you pick an every uh, an average everyday marathon runner, Brooksy? I mean, I think that one's. That's okay. I, I can I can sort of put that into stereotypical terms. They're always in pain. Um, very thin. Yep. They've got uh, Texter written on their arm with a four-digit number. Texter. Texter's the key, isn't it? Nice. Uh, uh, it's pretty easy to pick a city to surf runner. Yeah. The old banner on the front there. And they wear the medal uh, nine days after they've completed <laughs> the city to surf. Like, yeah. oh, hey, guys, you know, how was your weekend? Yeah, well, <laughs> Um, yeah, City Surf, whatever, PB. Uh, George has had a crack. He said you could pick a soccer player. When you brush past them, they fall to the ground in a screaming heap. That's good. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Uh, can you pick a champion thumb wrestler? Yeah, tongue out usually when they're doing things. Oh, okay. You know when you thumb wrestle? You're... <laughs> that was great for radio. <laughs> but, yeah, and generally strong thumbs. Well, strong thumbs. Yeah. I mean, wrists. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. There's the answer. That, you've got an answer to everything. You, you I try are, my best, man. Yeah, you've got an answer to the lot. Uh, it might have been called before, but good luck picking the great Long John Daly, the Radelaide Rooster. Well, generally the big party shirt with buffalo wing stains. 
um, the Siggy just on the corner of the lip, just yeah. bouncing because he's very well skilled at that. Yeah. And um, generally the location of places where he hangs around. Yes. E.g., um, that owl place. I think they, they yeah. have owls the there. The restaurant. Yeah. The re- yeah. <laughs> that restaurant. Yeah. He was really, he, he was very easy to pick. Uh, he, he probably still is, but he used to always live in the motorhome. So yeah, the rest so. of them would be out there, you know, in the hotels and motels and, and getting the cars, take them from um, course back. And he just parked the motorhome smack bang in the middle there because it was easy to get to. Or Radelaide Rooster just go to the casino. Right, pretty easy yeah. to find him. Ah, the Berkeley Eagle. Yes, I'm a courier delivery driver. So I knew it. you're all I've been there. Be yeah. you can't stump him. You just cannot stump him today. Uh, looking forward to the chat with Jack Robinson coming up very very soon. I mean, the world of surfing um, is always mind blowing for those of us who watch from afar and who dive into the water occasionally, but just have no concept of what it's really like to take on a monster like pipeline when it's humming. And the story of Jack's a terrific one as an Australian athlete, as somebody who wanted to um, path or continue that pathway all the way through from being the rookie, the little grommet who had the world's focus on him at the age of 12. And then by 15, they were doing video promos of him. And this is commonplace in the world of surfing, but not to this level and he's made his splash quite literally uh, in his first full-time year on the circuit. Now it all starts again. So we'll do that very soon. 0457 736 736. How do you pick a 2000 Sydney Olympic volunteer? Says Tony on the text line. They're all wearing their shirt, still wearing their shirt. I actually saw one the other day. I saw a bloke the other day. I think he had the windsheeter on. So they're coming in. 20 years, back in fashion. I tell you what it shows, too, that they were made of the right stuff. They haven't just vanished and fallen apart. And we're now 23 years down the track. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, the first match on Rod Laver Arena today from midday. Uh, daylight saving time will be the mixed doubles final of Mertzer and Bapana from India against Stefani and Matos from Brazil. So that's from midday. So Julian King, thanks to Bing Lee, will give you updates through that. Then from 2.30, our coverage switches over to... Uh, full Australian Open radio. So Hutchinoff and Sitsipas, the first men's single semi-final, as I told you, and Djokovic versus Paul. So keep it on SEN all day, no matter where you are, what you're doing, and you will keep updated uh, with scores throughout Julian King's program and then full coverage uh, headed up, of course, by Brett Phillips down there at Melbourne Park. Looking forward to this one, uh, our chat with Jack Robinson. So the World Surf League about to swing back into action for 2023. They're over there at Pipeline off the back of an enormous opening year on the Pro Tour, the biggest stage against the biggest names. And right now at a place that quite often throws up the biggest waves. He's over there in Hawaii, and I'm pleased to say he joins us right here on the morning show. Good morning, Jack. So set the scene for us, mate. Where are you? What's it like? Oh, I'm in – well, actually, I'm on the north shore of Oahu right now. Um, it's The waves are big. It's really windy, and we're having a day off until it gets better. So, yeah, we're just waiting. It's uh, probably a couple of late days. Living yeah. the dream. So you got a, you got a window coming up to start, obviously, at Pipeline. I want to dig into that. But how do you prepare, right? So the clock's ticking on the first event of the season. What What is the preparation you got a lay day, obviously. You want to get out there, but what's the next 24, 48 hours look like for you? Uh, it's it's pretty like we, I feel like the work is done before like the, the months leading up to it. So 
yeah, now it's just about about rest and um, just kind of waiting for our moment, waiting for the for the moment the contest runs, and um, yeah, being ready to go. <laughs> is it for you the bigger the better out there at pipe, or is it the quality of the wave that you're looking for? Uh, I think it's just the quality, and like it makes it better for everybody watching and everybody a part of the event. Like when pipe's doing its thing, it's um, yeah, it's just just kind of nothing like it so yeah i hope we get get some of that which would be cool get some waves that are insane and um be a good show hey jack take us inside a pipe wave i mean this is where you sort of you know coming from margaret river and you were known as a young kid as as one of the best tube riders in the world and here you are on the biggest stage with the experience that you've got. So take us into the deepest, heaviest, darkest kind of wave that you're going to face in this <laughs> tournament and give us the experience from inside. Yeah, well, it's 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 a really unpredictable wave, but when you do get a good one out there, it's usually comes in as a big A-frame peak, so you either get a right or a left. But the big lefts, I feel like, are the craziest because when you take off and they double up so much, the barrel actually backspin it'll like almost like it'll vaporize your eyes and then if you get through that part then you end up getting spat out of the barrel like it, it blows out you know so much spit it's just like a fire hose like it's it's such an incredible short experience but it's uh yeah there's just nothing else like it it's it's yeah it's really you feel the power of that wave and um just yeah you're in its you're in its uh yeah, you're just <laughs> trying to hold on for the ride, I guess. <laughs> Which is cool, right? Because we were talking yesterday about the fear factor. I mean, that's that's your world, right? That's your job and that's what you love. Uh, but is there any fear factor involved in any of those, especially when they're kicking up on you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like Pipeline and like Chohu, all the waves of consequence all year, there's so much fear, but then you get an overload of adrenaline and maybe um, you almost become a bit numb to it sometimes because you just had so much adrenaline. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's good to feel the fear as well because then that makes you respect the wave. Last year, how much do you take out of last year? It was a, it was a crazy year for you in terms of results. You got the two wins, Margaret River and, of course, G-Land as well. And I look across your results, Jack, and only two of the events across 2022, you finished outside the top 10. So consistency is one thing, but getting those results mm-hmm. along the way must, fit, must make you feel really strong heading into this season. Yeah, for sure. It's a good year to build on and... Um, yeah, just a lot of good work happened. I feel like we're improving a lot. And, yeah, just looking forward to improving a lot this year and, um, yeah, really getting after it. So, no, it's it's a good uh, – definitely, I feel like it's a good foundation to build on. Who do you hang out with? Who are the other Aussies in particular on tour that you spend the most time with? Uh, everyone's kind of on their own program. I feel like like a couple of us cruise together, like, like Connor O'Leary, he's super cool. But then I travel with – my crew is Yago Dora, his dad, Manny Bemrose. He's from Oz. He's a Vulcan guy. And then um, my wife, Julia, but also Griffin Colapinto. He's a really good guy. He's from California. So we, it's kind of like a bit of a global global kind of family. Like everyone's, everyone's uh, hanging with each other, which is cool. And you're sitting there looking out over the North Shore there. You are in front of some of the best waves in the world, but you come from one of the best places in the world when it comes to surfing and here in Australia in Margaret River. What's the most, what is yeah. your best wave and what's your most favourite wave? 
Oh, I think from where I'm from, Margaret River, I think <laughs> North Point's one of my most favourite waves. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of, like, Western Australia is incredible. There's so many good waves over there. But, um, yeah, Hawaii's special. Like, it's every time you, you come here, it's even though it's the same place, there's it just feels like the energy, like, it's renewed every time you come back after eight months. There's just, it has the... Uh, it has a real, like a special aura to it. It's um, yeah, just the islands in general. It's, it's nice to come back here. And let me just finally ask you about Kelly Slater. Like we know his incredible record, and we know how long. But we were digging around some numbers yesterday. His incredible record at Pipeline. He's been surfing there competitively, Jack, for mm. longer than you've been on this planet. Does that blow you away? I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I guess I'll be doing it at his age too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is cool. Now he's super inspirational. That's um, I I like surfing with him, and um, yeah, it's it's really cool that he's still on tour and we get to go against him. So looking forward to that. Good on you, mate. Hey, great to catch up. Enjoy the season ahead, and especially this week ahead because it's really special. Thanks for your time today. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> This is Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime, 1300 01 1170, or text 0457 736 736. Yeah, wasn't it great to have a good listen in to Jack Robinson, and especially that um, that explanation of, of taking us inside the pipe, uh, one of the best tube riders in the world, and, and vaporizes your eyes, and there is that fear factor there. Um, we'll continue to do a bit more of that because they're fascinating storylines. Obviously, our surfers, and they're in the most incredible locations. So we'll just basically do it so we can vicariously live through them as our summer comes to a close. But our thanks to uh, the guys at World Surf League and Jack for jumping on the phone on that one, um, which, of course, has led us down this path of trying to work out the stereotypical athlete. And we mean that in the most respectful manner when we speak to Jack. But... That's also led us off a little avenue of trying to stump Brooksy. I mean, basically, we've set our listeners a challenge here, and they want to take you down, Brooksy. They they think that they can get you on the rudder. Well, what about this? Um, a couple for you. Okay, boys, how do you tell a polo player other than he wears RM William boots, blue linen long sleeve shirt, chino or cream jeans, and an Akubra, not to mention the horse? Um, you know what? On the bottom of their boot says Bulldog Bob. Have you got anything? for a polo player that would just suggest? It's generally chinos. Mm. Very nicely tucked in with a big brown belt. But you know what the giveaway is, Matty? The yes. horse and the mallet. Yeah, <laughs> true. I thought it was the double-barreled surname. <laughs> <laughs> nice little helmet with yeah. the strap. With the strap. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a nice leathery strap around the... Around the chin. Okay, so there's plenty of giveaways. I there mean, is, we're, yeah. putting, we're putting that in the oh, easy. We're putting that in the easy category. Uh, Rooster Muzz, Whitey and Brooksy. Okay, here's one for you, Brooksy. He's going to nominate basically. How do you tell a sports radio broadcaster and producer? <clears throat> broadcaster, mm. well dressed, smooth, articulate. Yep. Very good on knowledge. Producer, on the other hand, mm. I don't know. And I'd really like to know myself uh, what makes a producer. Well, Rooster Mars, I'll tell you this. Say there's a sports bro- there's a broadcaster and a producer lining up to get a coffee. You'll hear the broadcaster order, mm. right? The producer will send an email, put it in a spreadsheet, 
convene a meeting more often than not. <laughs> you won't know he's there or she, and but you will get the outcome. And you can buy the order too, Maddie. It's uh, good morning and welcome to the coffee <laughs> cafe. I would like two coffees. You know, coming up on today's uh, first meal, See, I'm going to have a croissant. I go, hey, you. One I, coffee. So this is, yeah. this is oh, where the yeah. roles are reversed. Yeah. As a producer, you should have gone the hey, you. You should have been all over that. The producer who rocks up, jumps out of the car, gets the coffee, goes, no problems, and has done all the planning first. See, I say producers make and broadcasters do. <laughs> well, you did stump me with the producer one, so, yeah, I'm still <laughs> okay. trying to work out. All right, right. Rooster Muzz, you probably got him there. Now, on this issue of the BBL players in particular being mic'd up and Cricket Australia, um, which blew my mind when I read about it, um, handing out fines to Moses Enriquez, uh, Davey Warner, was it Ash Gardner who also um, found some trouble along the way? I mean, they're being mic'd up for a very specific reason because the broadcasters want to add that insight into there. Um, and it's become more and more prevalent. We know that. And it is a great insight. But now they're saying that because you mic'd up and you swore underneath your breath or you cracked a joke or you said something that normally we wouldn't like, we're going to fine you. Totally missing the point, in my opinion, from headquarters. Completely and utterly missing the point. The reason why you can hear them is because they're mic'd up. <laughs> if he doesn't have a mic and he swears under his breath, are you going to still fine him? How do you know? Uh, this one on the text line. Players, match officials, stumps, mic'd up, is way overrated and should be kiboshed. But we all know that unfortunately won't happen. There's nothing worse than a referee, etc., refereeing a player by name and instructing them what to do. Players like Tim Payne um, never bloody shut up on the telecast. It drives me insane. So it's an interesting take on that one. That's the flip side to that. And... There's there's a, a big push at the moment for players to come on into the commentary box. And this has been done a million times before. So we've now got access to players on the field better than ever. And I, I don't I don't agree with that text. I, I don't think it's overrated. And I think when the players it's not up to the player to stop talking. It's up to the broadcaster to make sure that it doesn't bother you at home. So there's the balance in between those two. But we do have a a whole stack of players in the commentary box. And on the whole, they're awesome because they give you the insights and the difference that you get from a current player versus a player that's been there and done it and knows the commentary discipline is the word current. Because as much as you've achieved everything that you want in that sport and you've done it at the highest level, the fact is that you're not currently playing. And whether you're out of it for two years or you're out of it for two weeks, games and sports move on so quickly and it's very hard to keep on top of everything. So I think that's the insight that you get in there. And we're very, very lucky in this country in particular. We've got so many great athletes that can give us so many great insights from within the camp and from their sporting knowledge and do it professionally. It's, it's a bit of a no-brainer. But there's a big process here, a really big process that takes place. And, Brooksy, you've done it. You, you've seen firsthand how this works. But basically, in a nutshell... When you're miking up a player from a broadcaster point of view, there's a whole heap of reasons and, and, and protocols that you go through to get it to the point that it's safe for them, that they're not giving away information, we're not intruding on their privacy, right? So all of the fail-safes are being put in place. But if you're Cricket Australia, surely you've got to know that something's going to fall through. A swear word's going to fall through occasionally. And you know what? You say sorry off the back of that. 
do you think that you should load up on the player and start finding the player and giving him demerit points because something fell through that what you're hoping is an ironclad rock solid system? It's it's like you said, Maddie. It's collateral when something like that happens. It's part and parcel of that access that you're going to get. There's always the argument of live v delay. So if you're micing someone up, it's great. It's great that uh, a league, a team, a player gives you access. What you do with it is another thing. But when something happens live on the field, on the court, the NBL does it in the timeouts. They apologise, and it's great access. Mm. And that's what you're hearing, what the what the coach is saying to the players live. And there is protocols that go in. Like you, you are mic'd up with a player in the truck, and you speak to that player during a change of um, ends, and you'll be like, look, um, can we come down to you this over? You'll liaise with your talent and go, look, we can go down to, let's say, Alex Ross, and we can have a chat with Alex. Um, we'll let him go at the end of the over. He might be on the boundary, so you can have a bit of a chat to him. It it really stemmed from, from my knowledge, it stemmed, and one of the texters did mention Tim Payne, and it was that series against India. And I remember there was the chat with Rashad Pant, who was batting for India, and he was at the stumps. Yeah. And we were listening in. Um, on Fox Cricket and we were listening into what was being said and it was great. And it was replayed and it was on Cricket 360 that night. It was in the papers. Everyone was loving that access, getting to know Tim Payne. We didn't really know too much about Tim Payne, but we got an idea of who he was and we got an idea of what Rashad was like. And it became jovial on social media where Bonnie was involved, yeah. where the, the comments that were made on the, the pitch. It was this roll-on that promoted the series that gave us Another star, our captain, Tim Payne. How good is this? And Rashad Pant. I love watching him play now. And you got to know him a bit more. And this is the thing. Like this situation, it, it seems like it's sitting with CA. And like you mentioned, like don't hammer the players. Don't penalise the for players. For being themselves. And it's not on the producers or the broadcasters. They're using the rules and regulations to get that on air. If something happens in the heat of the battle, like the Ash Gardner one where she got hit, yeah. Like, come on. Whilst talking. Exactly. Like, while the mic was live, she yeah. got hit. Like, that mm. that shouldn't be penalised. And you know what? They're going to become robots, aren't they, Maddie? Because exactly. They, because everyone at the Sixers, everyone that sees this is now going, oh, we can't do that. you got to be careful what you wish for. It is one of those mornings. you got to make sure you're grabbing hold of the steering wheel on today's program because we're going down this lane and off on that uh, avenue down the highway and it's going to take another turn in our next hour the winner winner chicken dinner of the week thanks to char grill charlie so we started off this uh, earlier in the week uh looking for who needs the win well now we want to know in the last week that we've had who's had the best win who's been the winner winner chicken dinner of the week thanks to char grill charlie's uh, home of australia's best char grilled chicken and chips and i do believe that there is some of that good stuff coming our way in the next hour as well. So you might have to just sort of put up with us as we mow our way through a bit of chicken and chips on this uh, Friday morning. 0457 736 736. The Berkeley Eagle is doing his absolute best to stump Brooksy when it comes to stereotypical athletes. I'll get to that. And, of course, we're looking forward to the big day ahead of us in terms of men's singles at the Australian Open. So 230 Eastern Daylight Saving Time will be the first of the men's single semifinals and then the second semi later on tonight. So a busy and big final hour of the program coming up. This is Mornings with Matt White right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime. one 1170 or text 
0457 736 736. Okay, our final hour of the program of the week, in fact. So what's ahead of us when you take a look at uh, both today, then into this evening, and then across the weekend? Well, the BBL playoffs start tonight. So we have the Eliminator first up at Sydney Showground. It's the Thunder v Heat. So four v five and the loser of this one is out for the season so done and dusted the winner will go through to the knockout which will be on sunday and uh, the cool thing about that is that you know who you're going to play because the melbourne renegades are already into the knockout so sydney thunder will have davy warner on board um will need a big knock usman kawaja of course um former thunder star matt renshaw manus labashane so it's uh, it's a fair old lineup this evening in a must-win match, obviously, for both teams. And you will hear full coverage on the SEN app tonight. Jimmy Smith and Dougie Bollinger with the call on that one. In an hour's time, play will get underway on centre court of Rod Laver Arena. It's the mixed doubles final first up. And then later on this afternoon, we'll have Hutchinoff and Sitsipas men's singles semi number one. And then uh, the second of Novak Djokovic against Tommy Paul at 7.30 Eastern Daylight Time Tonight, so that's the lineup ahead of us, and full coverage of that coming your way on the SEN network um, once those men's single semi-finals start. So make sure you stay tuned. This is the place to be to get all of your sporting fix. Uh, on that, Matt's not a big fan. He says, "I'm just going to come out and say it. I love the tennis majors, but doesn't like the second week. It's the nature of the beast. I realise, but surely there must be a way to provide the public with more content late in the second week." Doubles just doesn't do it for most. <sighs> I, Matt, I, you say it's the nature of the beast and you realise that, so you, you've got a grip on that one. More content late in the second week. How? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Unless you want to reverse it and play the final first and go backwards. <laughs> no, I don't know. What? I mean, I, I pointed this out before and, you know, if, you, if you're watching the nine coverage, you'll see it. So everything gravitates towards Rod Laver Arena. Now, what that does is that it dries up outside. So take a look at the coverage that's on now. And there are people there, obviously, but not as many because it's a later start today. It's a midday start. Plus, all the action on the outside courts is drying up. You know, you don't have court one, two, three, four, five. There's just all sorts of stuff going on. There is still action outside, but certainly not the kind of broadcast standard, if you like, that Matt's talking about. So it's a double-edged sword. And then on the flip side of that, when you witness it firsthand at Melbourne Park, and you know what, if you did yourself a big time uh, time lapse from way above Melbourne Park over the course of the two weeks, you would see, because this is what it's meant to be, you would see everything. It starts out really wide, and then it just starts to get in and in and in and in and in, and it's the focus, the people, the matches, it all comes down to one. One court, one final for each category and they all end up on the biggest of big stages and it finishes with that one match. And that's the whole point of this. So as much as we miss out on that content in the second week, it comes down to the biggest and the best on the biggest stage and the best stage. And that's what it's all about. So that's, that's the kind of way to look at it, I reckon, Matt. And if you can come up with something that continues on with this um, content that you're looking for, the simple fact of the matter is just start it when the matches start. That, that's the easiest part, as in coverage I'm talking about. Just start it when the matches start. Commercial reality does not work like that. I'm fine with it. 
I'm absolutely fine with it. I don't think you need to go in search of anything else to continue the content out um, and build it up. It's, it's what it is. It comes down to a process of elimination. And at the end of the day, you've got to be the last person standing. That's what it's all meant to be. The Grand Slam tournament only has one winner and it's the last person standing. So that narrowed down focus to me is well and truly what it's all about. But I do get your point. It can be long and laborious in the back end of a major. That's why they go two weeks um, because they've got to whittle it all the way down. Guys, does the risk of swearing or unsavory language when players are live and mic'd up change the viewing classification from general to something else? Interesting predicament. Personally, I don't like it unless it's someone like Warney. He was great, says Hamstrings from Narrabeen. No, it doesn't um, because I'll tell you why, Hamstrings. There's no change in the classification because there's no desire or preconceived idea of people who are going to have a microphone and start swearing in the middle of a broadcast. It's a very different thing to somebody coming up and swearing on purpose to somebody getting hit in the stomach with a ball while they've got a mic and going, ah, you know what, or they're not happy about something and swearing under their breath. So, look, that's not going to change the classification, so take that one out of it. The broadcasters do have to respond because if you complain that somebody's sworn on TV, you have to, by law and under your broadcast licence, respond to that. And then you have to go through a process. It's, It's a pain, but it is what it is. So in terms of swearing out there, for players that are mic'd up and just on that swearing issue, obviously you don't like it. Um, unless it was someone like Warner, you say, he was great. But I, I'm taking that you you don't like the whole thing. But you've got you've to take the whole lot into consideration. Uh, to me, I love the insights of the players, but I also love the fact of the sounds that we're getting. So you think about a player, it happened in the T20 uh, International last night in Hobart, Australia v Pakistan. And the Pakistani batsman, she caught one in the chest and there was also a hit in the grill. Um, now, thankfully, no, no dramas whatsoever. And there was no swearing or anything around that. But the sound that we got from the, from the stump mic gave us a real insight. The sound of a player who's mic'd up, who's, you know, hitting the ground trying to make a catch or dropping a catch, that sound is incredible. And when Brooksy and I were talking about it before the news, I, I remember... I had the 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 pleasure, the pleasure and the privilege of working with Johnny Lett, right? So uh, Lett was two-time Melbourne Cup winner. And we used to go to the track. We used to head on out to work. And he he's a storyteller. So Lettsy would tell stories about what they would talk about throughout the course of the 3,200 metres, what the jockeys are saying to each other. And they used to constantly pull tricks on each other. So if you're out there for your first Melbourne Cup and you've been told to go when you get around the back at um, the lodge around the back, and that's when you go, well, they these rookies would be out there and they don't know where it is. So the guys like Letsy and the, the real characters would talk to them about, hey, mate, here it comes. You've got to get yourself going. And, and I was fascinated that they would talk in the middle of the, of the race and the amount of chat that goes on because I'd never heard it. And now... If you start miking up people, you start getting that input. Now, you've got to be careful because there's information and there's betting and there's also, and there's swearing and all that. You've got to be careful that you understand that. But it's the insight like that that you can get that brings you even further into something that you never knew about. And that's the thing, Maddie. back to the whole live v delay. 
Like the delay can be used beautifully. We've seen it on, let's say, Hard Knocks. We've seen it on, I remember a show that I used to watch as a basketball fan, NBA Action, where it was the sights and sounds of the court. And that's when I started following NBA. Michael Jordan, Gary Payton would never shut up on the court. And they'd have these awesome little grabs, 60 seconds, two minutes of them just talking to their opponents. And that gets you involved in it. Mm. Hearing all that stuff that you just weren't, like being in Australia, hearing what's being said in Seattle and Chicago on the court is amazing. Yeah. That insight. Yeah. And that's what we're doing with the Big Bash. That's what would be an amazing listen once it's cleaned up of the final furlongs of a massive race, hearing yeah. all that stuff. Because it's getting into your opponent's head. If you've got a young jockey that's coming down the straight looking in a really good, it's going to be potentially winning or placing and you've heard them before, like you see them and you're like, wait, I've got to get in this guy's head. You know, oh, they're early on the whip there. Like, you know, you yeah. might, you might need that little advantage because there's a lot of money involved in sports too. Yep. So just that little subtle thing might just get you from third to first. You know, the other thing too is that, and we've spoken about the sports documentaries, they're unreal, but you don't have to wait for a sports documentary these days to get that inside info. It's great, but you can get it live. You can get it right there with the microphone on them. Formula One's an interesting one because Formula One is is so uh, systematic and protocol-driven in the way that it does it. So when you hear a driver in Formula One talk back on the team radio and you see the little graphic come on the screen, that's delayed. It's recorded. It goes through a process. It all happens quickly. The team ticks off on it and then they play it. And the reason why they put the graphic up is to let the broadcasters around the world know that there's going to be audio coming up. And you've also got to remember too that in a worldwide um, broadcast of Formula One and especially with their contracts in in the Middle East, in th- throughout Asia, throughout Saudi Arabia, all of that kind of stuff, swearing can be a massive problem. A whole thing, a whole heap of things can be massively culturally different to what we're used to. So there is that protocol and process in place, but it's delayed. It's been washed by the time you get it. Supercars, for instance, bang, it comes up. The bloke swears because he's just been taken off. You know what we do, what we used to do and what they do now? They apologise for it. It doesn't go through the process. It's raw and it's real and that's what sport is. So there's a balance in that, I get it. What I don't get is how Cricket Australia don't understand that. Now, we have to do this, Brooksy, because even though we're in our studio and all the doors are closed... Out in our office here, the seagulls have arrived. The seagulls have arrived, folks. Uh, seagull number one, Coach K. Seagull number two is Chucky. And I'll tell you why, because Char Grill Charlie's has just been delivered to our office. Ah, ah, in they come. And they are swooping thick and fast. Our new sponsor of the show with our new segment this week, thanks to Char Grill Charlie's, is Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. So who has been the Winner Winner Chicken Dinner of the week? Now... Do we put in Jason Kubler and Rinky Hijikata right now, even though they've still got the final to go? Are we jumping the gun on that one? At the moment, I reckon the way that they've played it and and the kind of storyline that they're bringing and the Aussiness that they're bringing to it, I'm going to put them as a leading candidate. Ben Shelton, he's got to be up there as a winner-winner chicken dinner of the week. First overseas trip, what is he, 21? Yes. 21 jumps on a plane for the very first time to go overseas, comes here, makes his mark at the Australian Open and wins half a million bucks, 555 Australian grand to take home. 
Now, that's winner, winner, chicken dinner of the week kind of material. Sixers fans have got to be winner, winner, chicken dinners because Steve Smith is still there and what he's delivered so far. I mean, he's, he's just clearly knocked it out of the park and heading to Perth. Then you've got cricket fans tonight, the Sydney showground, with the headline acts that you're thinking about. And this is where Cricket Australia has got it right. Warner, Kawaja, Renshaw, Labashane, all there. And I'm also going to throw in Rory McIlroy as a winner-winner chicken dinner of the week. And the feud with Patrick Reed, which I dug a little bit deeper into, um, where Patrick Reed goes over to shake his hand. Rory brushes him completely. Patrick decides to fire back with the biggest insult that he could think of and the biggest physical insult that he could think of. Throw a tea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a statement, buddy. I'm going to throw a T at you. You worried? How does uh, rack off, mate, sound? <laughs> which, which is essentially what Rory did. So amongst all of those, should we let our listeners come up with the winner, winner, chicken dinner of the week? Who's your winner, winner, chicken dinner? Thanks to Char Grilled Charlie's, home of Australia's best Char Grilled Chicken and Chips, which is now in front of us, which means, well, it's, it's still outside. So we know that the windows are thick here. They're soundproof. But can you, can you smell that chicken and chips coming through? I mean, it's not too early, clearly. In fact, it might be too late, given the amount of seagulls that are out there. 0457 736 736 is the number, or 1300 01 1170 is the open line number. Hit the ads. Let's hit outside. Let's go. This is Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime, 1300 01 1170, or text 0457 736 736. Seriously, <laughs> how good is the Char Grill Charlies? They left some for us. So you've gone the roll, Brooksy. You've gone straight in. I mean, obviously, I'm... go on. No, 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 go on. Tell us what you got. <laughs> yes, I have, Maddie. <laughs> I've just gone the chips at the moment. I've, I've, the, the roll's sitting there. I mean, we've got a whole box of the stuff here. This is awesome. It's, it's a miracle that there's any left because now Julian King swooped in, seagull style. The biggest seagull of them all. And he's coming. No sign of Costigan, comma T, slash 2 a.m. No, no run home today. So if he comes in, we know yeah. how keen he is well, on Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that we'll know. We'll now know whether 2am Tommy, so it's obviously a day off, whether he continues to listen to the station on his day off because if he is, he'll be here. He'll know. He'll, he'll smell it for a start. But Char Grill Charlie's to Tommy, he'll be here in a, he'll be here in a flash. So now, now we can – this is how we keep track of him. Right? We just put, a, put some chips down here on his desk and then whew, in he comes. Is that how the segment got organised, Matty? Because that's yeah. how you lure him coming in on time. It's the only way we can get Wednesdays him. Wednesdays or Thursdays, yeah. yeah. Well, it's either that or he, or he has another segment, you know, of his, of his show. <laughs> uh, we've already got a couple of nominees for Winner Winner Chicken Dinner of the Week and our good mates at Char Grill Charlie's have seriously loaded us up with Australia's best Char Grilled Chicken and Chips. Uh, Matty, Winner Winner Chicken Dinner, Mark Polmans and Olivia Gadecki. The Aussie mixed doubles players who were beaten in the semis uh, in the third set, 11-9. In fact, they hadn't even met each other until a couple of weeks before the tournament. Played brilliantly. Thank you for that, Bulldog Bob. 
Um, yeah, that's not a bad run. So into the semis of the mixed doubles, is there a price tag attached to that as in terms of prize money? Speaking of money, uh, Daniel says, Davey Warner, winner, winner. BBL contract equals 5,000 runs, uh, $5,000 per run scored. That's good. That's good. Well, more to come. I'm tipping Daniel. More to come this evening. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner has to be the listeners to this great station. Oh, Matt, you're a champ. Summer can be tough for listeners in a non-ratings period, but you guys have gone above and beyond. Special mention to BP, Brett Phillips, who's been absolutely outstanding. I'll back you up on that one. Thank you, Matt. That's very kind. You don't need to always send those messages in, and that's why I appreciate when you do take the time to do so. Uh, goes to the Australian women's cricket team, the winner-winner chicken dinner. This one from the Brisbane Eel who against a lesser opponent have played the game in the true spirit. Scenes of the Pakistan team hanging on every word from a hero in Meg Lanning were were iconic. On the other end of the scale, the actions of Novak and disrespect he continues to shows exactly why Merka Federer uh, was seen wearing a top with the goat on front highlights you can still win with class. There's a lot in that, Brisbane Eel. Thank you, but I'll go back to the top one, (laughs) the winner-winner chicken dinner part of it. Um, The Australian women's cricket team, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that as well. Um, played against Pakistan again in the T20 International at Hobart last night. There was a lot of flicking around last night between that and the tennis as well. 0457 736 736. Uh, who do you think is your winner, winner, chicken dinner of the week? Out of those candidates that I threw up, Brooksy, Kubler and Hijikata, Benny Shelton, your man, you've been on him big time this week and now he's just farewelling with a cool half a mil in his, in his back pocket. He'll, he'll know his way to the first class club on the way out. Uh, Sixers fans or just cricket fans in particular for either having Steve Smith or everybody, the cavalcade of stars that are going to be there tonight or good old Rory for just completely icing Patrick Reed. Who, who's your winner, winner, chicken dinner? Three. I'm going to go three, two, ones here, Matty. Yeah. So in, in reverse oh, order. So number one will yeah. be the eventual winner winner. You, you just do that. I've just, yeah, got, no some, I've just got a that's why I did it. I just got a brown paper bag to uh, dig into. So number three has to be Ben Shelton. Chargrill Charlie's brown paper bag. <laughs> ben Shelton. This is good. <laughs> First trip overseas. Yeah. And he rakes in mm. five hundred and fifty five thousand dollars mm-hmm. AUD. Might I add, which is roughly around three hundred seventy-two thousand nine hundred fifty-six greenbacks. Mate, how good are these? So, Sorry, just get my own. I yeah. I travelled overseas. My first trip, I came back with a ten grand debt. <laughs> he's left, and he's taking three hundred seventy-two thousand dollars American home. That that is a winner winner if you, ever I've seen. Are you one. on the chips? Yeah, I'm on the chips. You're on the chips. Yeah, chips. I'm better roll now. I'm on the chips. Chips are number awesome. two. Right. Steve Smith and the Sixers fans. Mm. We all know going over to Perth is an absolute terrible trip for the, BBL fans. You're on the roll and now. teams. Yeah, I've got the roll. Yeah, Steve yeah. Smith, what he can do, he could basically, having him oh, in the man. side, he could single-handedly win the Sixers the game mm. and have the final in Sydney. So number two, I'm going the Sydney Sixers and their fans. Did you just eat the paper? Winners. With the a little bit of paper. A little bit of paper. You guys are right here. Yeah, Even the paper's good. Keep going. And number one, winner, winner, has to be winner A, Jason Kubler, winner to Rinky Hijikata. No mm. nickname yet. No. That that doesn't mean they've lost. Mm. But they're in a final. They're gonna go, they're, they're gonna emulate 
the special Ks. And you know how distracting it is, you guys eating while I'm trying <laughs> to do a 3 2 do one you know Sorry, Rixie. Oh. Sorry, I didn't hear a word you said. You know the funniest thing is that Mark's having his Char Grill Charlie's experience for the first time, right? He's, and he's clearly loving it. But you're sitting here, I don't know what you were just doing, but you were sitting here making noise and we're going, hmm, yeah. And then I look across and you've hoed into one of the one of the rolls and in the big Scottish beard that you've got, is it still in there? you've left a bit on there. He's left. Oh, no. hey, now he's an honorary Australian. He's left some for Ron. A little bit of char-grilled Charlie's for Ron. Okay, oh. I'm scrapping Kubler and Hijikata. It's now White and Thompson as the number one winner winners because you guys are really enjoying your oh. food. Oh, that was so good. And there's more to come. Uh, nice work. However, the Berkeley Eagle has one more challenge for you. So he did throw out a challenge before and you picked that he was a courier driver. So we're trying to go through, you know, let's stump Brooksy on the stereotypical, well, started out as athletes and now we've gone <coughs> further down. Uh, he says, it's 9.55am on a Thursday and I'm waiting outside an RSL club. Who am I? It's him. He had the day off. He's a courier. He gets public holidays. So he's gone to his local RSL. It opens at 10 a.m. He's waiting to celebrate Australia Day. Answer, he says, in the next text. There you go, Berkeley Eagle. It's back in your court. This is Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime. 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Those uh, Bing Lee score updates will be coming your way. Julian King will be taking over from uh, midday. So in half an hour's time, that will be the first match on Centre Court, which is the mixed doubles finals. So we'll keep you updated there. And then, of course, full coverage this afternoon of the men's singles semifinals. Ball by ball, full coverage from courtside at Melbourne Park right here on SEN. All righty, let's talk some racing now. Rose Hill, Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast will be our targets for this one as we try and find a winner. On the line, SEN track analyst this morning, Chris Nelson is with us. G'day, Chris. Morning, Matty. We're covering a couple of states again, so let's see if we can find some winners on the weekend. Where do we start, mate? Let's start at Rose Hill. So a big day at Rose Hill Racecourse and race number four is the Tab Handicap. So what have you got for us there? Over 2,000 metres. Yeah, big day with the Expressway, race eight, the highlight. But I'm going with race four. Now, there's a horse here around $7 or so. It's number nine, Handsome, uh, trained by Chris Lees. Kieran McAvoy will ride. Now, absolutely bolted in at Taree last start, one by seven and a half lengths. Now, I know Taree's a long way from Rose Hill, especially class-wise, but this horse is on the up. Only had uh, less than 10 starts, really hitting his straps now. I think he can win this race. And... He was nominated for a race in Queensland this weekend. They've decided to go here. Quite often when that happens, they pull the right rein. So I think Handsome is a great price at around that $7 quote. Race four, number nine. All right. That's the pick out of the Sydney races. So let's go towards where you are, Sunshine Coast, uh, tomorrow. Yes. And we'll start here in race number two. Yes, Sunshine Coast Cup Day. Race two, number four, Tappy's Lad. Another one at around the $7 or so now. He's beaten 35 lengths last start. Not a good <laughs> recommendation, but he pulled up lame. So I put the pen completely okay. through that run. His previous run was good, and his previous two before that were over this 2,400-metre trip. He'll run this right out. He's won over 2,500 metres in the past. Some of these are a little bit suspect. He's down on the minimum weight. 
I think he'll run a great race, Tappy's Lad. Have something each way. Race two, number four. Okay, race two, number four. I'm just thinking the last one that I looked at that was uh, backing up after a 35-length last was something that I was investing in, and he wasn't lame. He didn't last too long. So race two, <laughs> number four, Tappy's Lad, uh, and then the next in race three. Yeah, I think this is the better of the day, and clearly so. I'd be surprised if this one got beaten. Race three, number two, Sailor. Look, he's another horse that's on the up. Um, he too is uh, got a, only had a handful of starts, and he's he's just really hitting his straps. He's won his last two. He was very strong to the line last time. There's there's no on pacer in this race other than him. So he may even end up leading. I'm hoping he doesn't. I'd like him just to tag the leader. But if he does, he'll still be hard to beat. He's going to get a picnic out near the front, and he's the horse uh, that's 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 proven over the trip. They're backing very intoxicating to beat him, but he's uh, having his first go as she is at the longer trip. So I am firmly in Sailor's Corner. I think he's a good thing. Okay, so that's number two, race three, another for Chris Lees. And then race six, as you mentioned, the Sunshine Coast Cup is on. That's over 1,400 metres, and that is race eight. And um, we'll get to that in just a sec, just your thoughts around that. But tip-wise, let's have a look at race six. Yeah, there was no better run at the Gold Coast. Uh, the week before the Magic Millions was scheduled to be run was Wave Day. Uh, the horse we're focusing on here is number four, the Bopper. Now, he probably will start around even money. There was no better run all day. It was very hard to make ground. He finished like a rocket uh, running second behind Archer's Paradox over 900 metres. His sectionals were outstanding. His prior run was a win here at the Sunshine Coast. He won by four lengths. He's a horse in form. I know he's got a wide gate. I know he'll get back, but I think he'll run them or run right over the top of them late. So race six, number four, the bopper. Race six, number four. So you, your thoughts just around the Sunshine Coast Cup. So a big field, 15 in the field here, over 1,400, as I say. It'll be the feature of the day. Yeah, look, I think the top two at the uh, on top of the page there, numbers one and two, Tumbler Ridge and Shalo, both trained by Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted. They are the class runners in the race. They're both first up, but they both went to a uh, went to a trial the other day at Doomben, and they ran in the same trial. They ran first and second with Tumbler Ridge uh, beating Shalo. Shalo gets back. Tumbler Ridge will take up a more forward position. There doesn't look to be a lot of speed in the race, so I would have to lean Tumbler Ridge's way. You'll get each way, so maybe go with him as the best option. Race eight, number one. Okay, let's have a quick look at Gold Coast. So seven races uh, on the Gold Coast tomorrow, and you've got something worth looking at in race three? Well, this is an interesting meeting. It's the first meeting on the poly track because the actual grass track's being dug up now. Yeah. So we're going to spend probably eight months on the poly track. These poly tracks, they generally favour front runners. And there's one there in race three, number three, Corfe Castle. Absolutely uh, loves to lead. Comes out of stronger races. Draws gate one, so shouldn't be an issue. I think he'll win Corfe Castle. So we'll see how that track plays, but I expect it to play on, play, on pace. And if so... That's a good thing too. Race yeah. three, number three. And that's an interesting one before I let you go because uh, does most of the form go out the window when you think about a poly track? Yep. Obviously, you've given us the heads up of the of the front runners on them, but any form leading into this, do you? how much weight do you put into any kind of form? Not a lot. <laughs> it's, a <laughs> right. bit of a, it's a little bit of a guess. We've got a similar track out, or the same track at the Sunshine Coast, and we've got horses that just handle it and horses that just don't handle mm. it at all. It's the, it's the kickback that's the problem, Matty. A lot of them don't like that kickback, which is fair enough. I mean, who likes to go to the beach and get sand thrown in their face? I certainly don't. But um, it's it's just one of those things. They need clear running. Some days they'll lead throughout and none of the back markers will get near them. Other days they'll come wide. So as long as they've got 
clear running without that kickback, they generally run pretty well. But it is a horses for courses type scenario. Good on you, Chris. Good punting. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Matty. I think it's fair to say, with 16 minutes remaining in our program, that uh, Brooksy have not been stumped in trying to pick a stereotypical athlete or person, really. Um, and the Berkeley Eagle was talking about uh, who was he talking about? It wasn't you. You thought it was the Berkeley Eagle waiting outside uh, for a taxi or jumping out of a taxi at 9:55 outside an, an RSL. He said, "It's not me." Um, as I'm working, but a pensioner or war veteran on pension day. So, same, same. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like sick. he was waiting to get in. Possibly, possibly the only one that you got stumped on was the producer. Yeah, that. Yeah, uh, characteristics of a good producer. Mm, I've yet to see one, mate. So. Yeah, I oh, know. I could. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> Brooks, answer had that one. I was stumped. No, no, I couldn't look in the mirror and give him give you some answers. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jules, Julian yeah. King coming up with his show in, in uh, about fifteen minutes' time, just a couple of hours, because then it's going to go off to. Full-blown tennis coverage. So could you pick uh, a couple of here on the text? Could you pick a poker player? Well, I did speak to Joe Hashem, my famous sporting Joe, the other day. Yes. Uh, you all that have the visor and the sunglasses and, dare I say, the toothpick sticking out of the mouth. Oh, the toothpick. Probably uh, a hand. Yeah. Five cards in the hand as yes. well. Yes. And, so. and when they sit down, they're sort of a little bit lopsided because the wallet's, you know, oh, chock-a-block. Just t- cool 10 mil. <laughs> you know, funny thing is, he said he used to watch his opponents, video of his opponents, just watch them for hours and pick up all their mannerisms, Ooh. all little tells. To, and he watched it so much, he sort of, it almost became instinct. When he sat at the table, he didn't have to think about it. He just knew oh, that was the degree of training that he would undertake. It, we should have, remarkable. We should, you know, if you hadn't have had him on the other day, we should yeah. have got him on for this. See who would be, with, with that kind yeah. of detail, see if he'd be able to pick a chess player, for instance, or an indoor climber. I can stump you, Brooksy. Because oh, on the program go. today, I'm going to catch up with Courtney Marnie. Now, you wouldn't have heard of Courtney Marnie. She is the assistant captain of the Australian under-18s women's ice hockey team. They're playing world championships at the moment. So how would you stereotype an under-18 women's ice hockey player? Uh, missing a few teeth? No, well, she's oh. not, apparently, oh. yeah. No, she's, she's got all her choppers. Says E alone. Cause well, she's not Canadian. Canadian. Whoa, no, she might have been born there. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Proud Queenslander. Oh, you're Still struggling. Says he. I can see the cogs turning in his head. <laughs> you're struggling. There, there you go. Yeah. Okay, it's, well, it's a bit niche, granted. But, here's you know. a couple more for you. Feel free to dive in. Um, table tennis player. How would you pick that? You're real intense. Eyes staring. Real rhythmic. <laughs> Good squatter. Good squatter. Yeah, getting down yeah. low to the table. Swat I buns. reckon almost like a... Sweat bars everywhere. A whippet style build, perhaps. Mm. I could be wrong. I mean, I, that's tough, though. Okay. Flick footy? What's flick footy? Oh, where you sit on the desk and you flick the mm. paper. And you, yeah. Uh, well, that could be anyone. Could like a thumb wrestler. Very much so. Yeah. The yeah. middle finger probably stronger than the thumb. Yeah. These are from our man hamstrings. Uh, and <laughs> softballer. Good one. Good one. Big hey? shoulders. Big oh, shoulders? Strong shoulders. Yeah. Sort of the, the windmill underarm yeah. action. and the, Oh, that, the windmill. Yeah. Tight pants, wears a cap, says buddy a lot. <laughs> Hey, buddy, throw it in there. Buddy, 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 buddy. Oh, strike, buddy. Yes, buddy. That's, <laughs> Is that softball? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> we, we've been trying hard to stump him, um, but it's taken him that long to offend somebody, mm. which I thought would happen much earlier. I've been impressed with um, your various answers, Brooksy. This studio is redolent with the smell of char-grilled Charlie's, I yes. must say. This is why I could never become a pizza delivery driver. 
because I knew a few people that did it back in the day. And if your car, if you want to sell it, you never get that smell out, the pizza smell. It's there forever. Yeah. It's, it's like an like, episode of Seinfeld. Yes. It was like when you decide to put glitter on your face. There's always that one bit that'll be there forever. Just occasionally cap- captures the, mm. the light of the sun. When did you do that last? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's been a while, at least a week and a half. Yeah. Uh, dare I say. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Still no sign of 2am Tommy. Which is extraordinary given that Chargrill Charlie's hand-delivered a box of free food. Oh, can I just say, uh, 2AM Tommy did receive one of our SEN Honours Awards yesterday. Yes. The services to Rooster's Sick of Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> he accepted it with glee, I might add. <laughs> yes. Did he accept it with the uh, with the disclaimer that um, there's no bias here, but I will accept it on behalf of being Very much so. incredibly biased. And then Rooster he went on to support. say that our dragons haven't been relevant for a long, long time. Oh. I hit back and said, the Red V is the most recognisable image in rugby league history. He laughed it off and I said, these kids born in the 90s, they don't understand. Mm. Uh, what are you making of the tennis? So men's singles today, semi-finals, of course, and we now know uh, how the women's final is going to play out, which I think is going to be a thriller, I reckon. Um, it's going to be a big hitting final with the Not women's. Wrong. Yeah, and then the men's today, I mean... You've got Novak Djokovic, who's just on the tear, and we've got Tsitsipas, who's obviously the highest-ranked player, highest-seeded player left in the in the tournament. So by all means, Jules, you'd think that that's how the final's going to play out. Yeah, Stefanos Novak, I, I think so. I'll be curious to see how Tommy Paul handles the occasion. He's never been in a bigger match in his life. Did, did you read that his coach has, has resorted to slapping? Did you see that? To sort of get him up for the really? He's a pretty laid-back guy. Roy Masters Roy Masters, Tommy, Dallas oh. in the... Bang! So come on, mate, fire up, bang, one across the, uh, one across right. the, the chops. One yes. across the chops. So I'd love to see the pregame routine. So well, you, guess... That's actually what uh, Tommy Costigan does to me before this show usually. And does it work? <laughs> does it work? Oh, yeah. It's yeah a your cheeks are red anyway. You couldn't tell show? if you've yeah. been struck, yeah. Mark. So, But that would be fascinating to see. Look, you know, I heard Brett Phillips earlier saying he hates the term nothing to lose, but in a sense it's he's right. I mean, nobody's anticipating that you're going to win, so... Leave it all out there. Good mm. luck. Good luck to the young fella. Yeah, I reckon yeah. it'll be. That's going to be the interesting one to me. I think the other one will be, but you know, for all intents and purposes, a solid proper tennis match. It's it's going to be two very good, very experienced, mm. top of the line tennis players trying to outwit each other. And the other one is Novak, who, like I say, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you do to try and take him down tonight, aside from just go out there and somehow treat it um, completely differently. Yeah, I, I just yeah. don't know what type of game well, plan you come up with. I, I wonder, too, if this whole stuff with his father posing with, you know, the Russian nationalists would be a distraction. He doesn't strike me as the so. sort of guy that would be distracted by that, yeah. I must say. Um, but, yeah, look, it's his to lose. He's, he's pretty much as close to unbeatable as you can get yeah. at this tournament. Yeah, I'd agree you with know? that. Yeah. I, I'd totally agree with that. I mean, can you imagine the? <laughs> you imagine last night in the, in the Tommy Paul hotel room with the coach? Mm. Okay, how about we uh, video session? How about we try and run Novak? Uh, hasn't worked. No. All right, let's take that one on. How about we try and go deep on his forehead? Yeah, not going to work. Backhand, not going to work. <laughs> I mean, you're getting right down to the end of the list. Mm. You know what? How about we just put Netflix on, order some room service, and just get up in the morning and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> You never, never know. You know. Oh, I heard you chat about the stump marks. What a joke that is. Oh, I mate. mean, five grand. Five grand? Mm. No, one of the players is saying, I'm not going to have a bar of this. Mm. You know, it comes with the territory. That That's the risk you take by miking them up. And, and it, it, you know, I think back to the old stump mic debate. If you want to turn it down during overs, okay, fine. I think it's a happy compromise. But in the heat of the battle, so if I'm batting 
and I got wrapped on the knuckles at 150k yep. an hour, the wild thing, Lance Morris, and I go, oh, yep. you can't hang that on me. No. Can you? I mean, that's a, that is a farce. It's I, an I, absolute farce. It, it is. And where does the five grand go? Mm. You know, at the end of the – for a start, it's not Cricket Australia's five grand. Yeah. It's the players' five grand. So – where where does that go? It's all very good to say, let's put it back into grassroots. Well, why does Moses Enriquez have to buy kits for, Correct. you know, just because they don't like what he's saying after agreeing to having the microphones put on them in the broadcast deal in the first place? I mean, it's absolute stupidity. They've got to get their order, uh, get their act together down there. Rightio, so big show coming your way. Um, yes. Mixed doubles. Do you have a tip for the mixed doubles final before? Well, you... it's got to be. See, I call them kooky, Kubler and... Oh, no, that's, yeah. that's the men's doubles. Do you know the nickname? Oh, sorry, mixed, you said mixed doubles. Well, do you know yeah. the nickname that have just come up with, which we saw on the nine coverage? Just kinky, wasn't the it? The kinky brothers. Not sold. No. Kooky's got a much better ring. Kooky's much yeah. better. You like that? Yeah. You know, you got any connections at nine? But, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> give me the number, will you? I'll flick a text they've, during the break. They've, <laughs> they've already done the kinky brothers, however. Uh, no, it's it's the mixed doubles. Mertzer and Bapana against Stefani and Matos. Uh, I'm on the Indians. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Combined was age. National Republic Day. Combined yesterday. age of seventy-eight. Was that right? For Sanya Mirzer and Ryan Bapana. Uh, well, they've been around for a while. I want Sanya now. She'd be thirty-six. Wow. And Bapana's forty-two. Yeah. Did I get my maths right? I did. It's that type of day. Uh, you better head off, mate. You got a I'll show go. to do. Thank you, Julian King. Coming your way very soon. Bulldog Bob says, Maddie, the prize money that Polman's Gadecki got for losing the semi-finals in mixed doubles, a paltry forty-seven and a half thousand between them. Same level in doubles, 210,000 as a team, and in singles, 925,000. Big discrepancy. I guess so, but very different uh, sides and very different categories, if you like, in the tournament. So we're coming to an end for this show for the week. I'll be back again uh, next week. In fact, just a shout-out to on Monday morning. Make sure you join us. So back on uh, on air Monday morning, we've got Joel and Fletch doing brekkie. On 11.70. <laughs> so I'm assuming that I'll still be on, as in we'll still be on air. Nice the, lead in, Matty. Yeah, the network will still be on air uh, when I go take over thereafter because I'll be coming from the Sporting Globe. So live from the Sporting Globe uh, down at uh, Darling Harbour in Sydney or Kings Wharf down in Sydney. And um, we'll be broadcasting live from there. So the NFL Conference Championships get underway earlier on Monday morning from 7am, this is Sydney time, Eagles v 49ers, and then the second match will be the Chiefs v Bengals. So we'll be able to talk you, away, uh, talk you all the way through that and have a few laughs. So if you're in the Sydney area, come on down and join me at the Sporting Globe and see how this whole thing works, assuming it's still working after Joel and Fletch have come in <laughs> and completely decimated the breakfast show. Now, before I go, we've got about a minute. Before I go, Brooksy, your final challenge... We've been together all week. We have sort of navigated everything. Your final challenge is off the top of your head, see if you can remember what the names of the BBL playoffs are. So tonight, what are, what are they calling it? It's the Eliminator, Matty. Yes, Thunder v Heat. And then Saturday, what are they calling it? The Qualifier. Yes, Scorchers v Sixers. Sunday, what is it? It's the Renegades. It's the Knockout. Yes, Thursday. The challenger yeah. for whoever won the qualifier. Yes. And then Saturday, Feb 3. It is the finale. You did it. You, did it. you didn't even read a thing, <laughs> which is extraordinary. Yep. Massive tick. Uh, Brooksy, thank you, mate. It's been rich and real. It's been a lot of fun <laughs> as well. Mark, thank you for a great week as well. Thank you to the listeners tuning in. Uh, we've had a great one. We'll do it again on Monday.